You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. If you were with us this morning, I spoke on the necessary endurance to achieve what God has called us to achieve. And I spoke about not just the endurance, but the, the attitude of endurance that causes great victory. And as I was going through that, you know, <laughs> the Lord downloads so much. And towards the end of it, I wanted to, to talk more about how to focus on Jesus. Because we spoke in Hebrews chapter 12, and Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, we focused on it, and it said, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. We were for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. So we understood that Paul was giving us this warning. He was saying it is easy to become discouraged and weary when we don't look unto Jesus. It is easy for us to, to be worn down by the, the weights that come upon us. Now, in the Passion Translation, it says the wounds that we receive. When the enemy comes in, and sometimes the shield of faith is not up, and he gets that jab in, somebody says something, and you allow it to come in, and you receive it, you take it, and it mulls around in your soul. I don't know if you, if you, you know, maybe you don't understand what I'm saying because it's never happened to you, but it's happened to me. I find myself suddenly thinking about what somebody did, and it allowed it to hurt me. I take offense. And the Bible says I'm not supposed to take offense because it allows the enemy to wound me. And now I have to recover. But when you're walking around with this wound and this offense, it's, it's sore. You know, it's much harder to run the race when you've got an injury than when you're healed. Am I speaking to somebody here today? That you understand that stuff happens. You miss the promotion. And instead of being able to give God the glory and say, Father, if it's not here today, it's on its way. Something happens on the inside and, and, you allow, and you mull over it and you think over it. And before you know it, you're limping. We're wounded. And often what happens to us is that we don't recognize how to deal with that wound. And so we harden our hearts so as we not to feel the pain. Yeah, I've tried to run a couple of marathons where you know, I'm injured and then I want to put a strapping around it. Okay. Well, the strapping can only go so far for so long. And then eventually you're tired and you're feeling that niggle all the time. You walk into church and you see the person. Oh. Something else happens and it reminds you. I remember when my mother passed away. So every time there was the first, you know, the first birthday that she wasn't at. or the, It reminded you and you realized you hadn't actually dealt 
with what had happened. You were wounded. And it becomes to, it makes you tired. And, and what does he say? He says, discouraged in your souls. And before you know it, you're finding yourself tired after eight hours of sleep. Anybody ever have that happen where you wake up and you realize that you're not ready for the day? You've slept, but boy, you wish you could sleep more. You go out and you do a little bit of work and the next moment you're going, I just need another nap. Okay? You get discouraged in your soul. But Paul tells us, but that won't happen if you turn your eyes upon Jesus. So because I, I'm, you know, you can... If you know me for a while, if you're new, you knew you, you don't. But if you've been here for a while, you know I'm quite an emotional person. I sort of wear my, my emotions out there. I'm not one of those who can <clears throat> go through sad times without crying, even good times with crying. You know, I get up to, to wish you for your 21st, and I think about all the things we've gone through. I'm going to cry. Okay? I, <laughs> I thought, think, you give me a, a present that, that speaks to me. I'm going to cry. You're going to say, well, why are you crying? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like that. You know, I was born like that. I've said to God once or twice, Lord, can you, you know, remove that from me? He says, but Danny, Danny, I'll change who you are. So that's how I made you. So you're going you're gonna to be that person. There are other people out there, and you'll associate with me. Those of you will get, mm, where are you crying again? Uh, I understand. There are some of us that, that can't understand that, and I understand. That's fine. But for those of you who, who can I, you, you see where I have come from, I had to go to God and say to him, God, now you need to speak to me. Because I've been tired. I've been worn down. What do I do? And he gave me this beautiful scripture in Isaiah chapter 40. Because we're going to talk a little bit tonight. I'm going to get a little bit personal. I'm going to take you into my, how do I focus on God? What are the steps I do so that I can go into his presence and I can be restored? Ezekiel chapter 36 talks about God taking out of this heart of stone. Because I found myself hardening my heart. And the problem with a hard heart is that you don't hear from God that easily. And you find yourself resistant to the little nudge that he wants to give you. Go in that direction. Whisper. Go say hello to that person. And don't want to. You've hardened your heart. That instant obedience doesn't happen. God says, bless that person. Oh, Lord, they blessed enough. Whoa. See, I'm not just as, maybe not as holy as some other people. I, this is real for me. I've had to walk with my God and have him talk to me the, this way. And so he took me to Isaiah chapter 40. And it became a, a scripture that, that for me speaks very personally. In verse 29, it says, He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, He increases strength. And listen, even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. You see, this is not just because you've been at it for a long time. Vitality of of age doesn't necessarily prevent this happening. If you're always in the battleground and you don't know the presence of God, there is nobody who is exempt from the attacks and the wounds of the enemy. And then he says this. He says, but those. Say, but those. Because it's speaking to a particular group of people. But 
those who wait on the Lord. Who wait on the Lord. Say this, I must learn what it means to wait on the Lord. You see, it, that's a very, it's, a, it's a very powerful scripture. But it's an important thing for us to do. And tonight we're gonna, I'm going to hope in the time that I've got to be able to unwrap how to wait on the Lord. Because this is what happens. It says, those who wait upon the Lord shall, shall, there's no, there's no doubt, shall renew your strength. You shall renew your strength. You shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. There is nothing we cannot do if we're walking in the strength of God. The strength of God. Nothing is impossible for those who believe because we know that it is God who strengthens us. But how do we get to that strength? We need to wait upon the Lord. That seems to be a very veiled suggestion. Because immediately when people think about waiting on the Lord, well, we're just going to sit here. I'm in church. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm even starting to tap my foot because he seems to be taking time. I'm waiting. But that's not what the Bible's talking about. You see, it's not the only time that the Bible talks about wait upon the Lord. And for me to teach this, I'm going to go quickly to Psalm chapter 27. Because Psalm chapter 27 is David talking. And David is one of those characters, again, where God opens up everything about David's life. You've got this champion who who destroys Goliath and wins this massive battle. But he's he's a young man who faces so many troubles. Even in the psalm, you'll see he says, I was rejected by my father and my mother. Wow. We know that when he gets to the battlefield, his oldest brother looks at him and says, I know you to be a naughty boy. Wow. You must know growing up was not easy for David. He faced challenges. We know that he he took down the lion and we know he took down the bear. But we sometimes forget the fact that he was rejected by his father. He didn't call him in when Samuel came. His brothers looked at him as somebody who was always, always causing trouble. You know, He wasn't always listening the way they wanted him to do. He didn't do all the things that he was supposed to do. And out of that, he develops this wonderful relationship with God. Because God calls him a friend. A man who commits adultery, commits murder. God says to him, I can forgive you all that because you're a man after my own heart. You're after me. I know that you you face troubles, but every time you face them, you've come back to me and you've allowed me to set your path right. You've allowed me to use you to fulfill the call That I've put in your life. I can put all of that under the blood. If you will just come and seek me. And so David says here at the end of Psalm 27. In verse 14. He says wait on the Lord. Oh okay. Now this is the new King James. It says wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen your heart. Wait I say on the Lord. 
So David is talking like Isaiah. They're talking about these are two men that have this wonderful relationship with God because Isaiah goes through much persecution, gets thrown into prison for the sake of the gospel. And they both say, wait on the Lord. And he goes through the psalm. Now, before we do that, let's just look at it in verse 14 from the Passion Translation. It says here, Here's what I've learned through it all. Are you, yeah? Are you ready? David, after everything he's been through, he says, Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous. Never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. Keep on waiting. Let's go and wait on the Lord. So I want to talk about five steps tonight that I'm going to show out of this psalm on how to wait on the Lord. And all the blue people said, great, I can take notes. He's going to give me five steps. But I don't want you to take notes. I want you to hear really from the heart of God how to wait upon him. Okay. Step number one, waiting talks about trusting in God. Wait upon the Lord means to trust in God. It's not a, a passive thing. It's a dynamic thing. Dynamic thing. It means making a confession, a determination of who God is in your life. Where do we get that? Verse 1, it says in the Passion Translation, verse 1, Yahweh is my revelation. Light, the source of my salvation. I fear no one. I never turn back and run. For you, Yahweh, surround and protect me. You see, when we trust in God, the confession of our mouth must never be, God, you're not there. It starts with, the Lord is my light and my salvation. That's the New King James. Whom shall I fear? Why is he answering it that way? Because obviously the fear came. It's starting to niggle. He says, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In a passion translation, when the evil one comes to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not fear. Even if an army rises to attack, I will not be shaken. Even if war is imminent. The New King James, when the wicked came against me to eat up on my flesh, my enemies and my foes, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war may rise against me. In this, I will be confident. You see, when I wait upon the Lord, my confession must be first. I trust you, God. I'm not sitting here doing nothing. I'm not given up. I am not yeah putting you to the test. I'm not yeah putting you to the test. I'm waiting on you with an attitude of I know who my God is. I know what you've done before and I know what you will do again. Waiting upon the Lord is actually becoming strong in your confession and the dynamicness of your faith. You put it out there even though in on the inside you can see the enemy coming. You've seen what he's done. Immediately you're responding. I trust in God. The enemy doesn't, waiting doesn't give him an opportunity to think what else he can do. All right? Are you with me? It's dynamic. It's strong. We step up. Jesus teaches us how to pray. And he says to us, 
How do we start our prayer? Our Father. So we're not in a group. When I'm at home, I don't say our Father. Think about it. It's not a group of us. It's just me. When I go into my presence, I don't go our Father. I go my Father who art in heaven. I establish how strong he is, how mighty he is. I tell him where he lives. I know where he lives. Enemy, that's his address. My Father is in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. You know what that means? That you never change. What you said comes to pass. You are the God. That's how we go into the presence of God. Waiting is not passive. It's strong. It's strong. You will not move me. I have set on what I believe. Step two, we wait on the Lord by seeking the Lord. Now, we're going to get a little bit deeper here now. Verse four, here's the one thing I crave from Yahweh. The one thing I seek above all else. I want to live with him every moment in his house, beholding the marvelous beauty of Yahweh. Filled with awe, delighting in His glory and grace, I want to contemplate in His temple. New King James, one thing I have desired of the Lord, that I will seek. That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. That I will seek. We're not seeking God. God's not lost. We haven't lost him. We want his presence. Because when the enemy comes in to steal, you notice how easy it is to miss the presence of God. I've often prayed and I thought, geez, Lord, there's a cement ceiling between you and me. I'm praying, I'm reading my Bible, and I'm getting nothing. There's a missing presence. Why? Because when the enemy comes in to steal, he can cause all these confusion in our thoughts and in our emotions. And we're no longer sensitive to what the Lord is saying. So he says, David says, I go seek the Lord. I want to be in his temple. Now remember, he hasn't built the temple yet. He's talking about a tent. But he is talking about a place where he knows the Holy Spirit dwells. So the one thing I do when I seek the Lord, I'm in church. I may not want to be here. My, my mind, my emotions may be gone. I don't want to be, but I will go. I want to be in His presence. It's not about everybody else. It's not about anything. I just want to be where I know I've found Him before. I want to be where I've experienced His presence. I want to lift my hands when they sing that last song tonight. Ooh, Jesus, I just, I just feel the presence of God. I want to miss that for nothing. I seek, I want to be in his... That's why I know Pastor Allen, when he's talking about what the enemy is trying to do, I know what he's trying. I agree with Pastor Allen. He wants to stop us being together because there's a corporate anointing. Oh, man, it's like going behind the veil. And I can't do it in my own home. But I know that when I'm with you, I may have a problem with one or two of you, but <clears throat> when I'm with you, do you know that there are times as a family man where I may be cross with almost all of my family? But I don't want to be without them. I'm actually, my, my, my upsetness is more about the fact that I want that oneness and we've lost it. 
We're going to seek the Lord. I want to dwell in His presence. Listen to that dynamic confession that He is making. There's another thing that we can do when we're in the presence of God. I can serve. I can serve. You know one of the most powerful ways to get close to God? Serve. You want to draw close to God? Serve. He says the highest rank in the kingdom is a servant. And when I serve when I don't want to, with the right attitude, there's an anointing that I have always experienced that is more powerful. There are times when I don't want to, but I change my heart and I determine to, and then the breakthrough happens over and over and over again because the Father sees that as sacrifice. The Father sees that as a sacrifice worthy because that's what Jesus did. He didn't want to, but he changed his heart and he said, I will. And look at the reward he walks in. That's the nature of God. So being out of the temple, being out of this presence sometimes robs us of the opportunity to serve. But when I seek the Father, those are the things that we need to do. Step three. We wait on the Lord through praise and offerings. We wait on the Lord through praise and offerings. He says there, in the day of trouble, he will treasure me in his shelter. Under the cover of his tent, he will lift me high upon a rock and out of reach of all my enemies who surround me. Triumphant now. I bring him my, I'm triumphant when? Now, not in the day when it happens. He said, triumphant now, I will bring in my offerings of praise and singing and shouting with ecstatic joy. Yes, I will sing praises to Yahweh. Wow. The breakthrough happens. I seek the Lord through praise and worship. Because when the promise is there, but I start praising now, I'm acting like a child of God. I am now talking out of a belief system that is internalized. Lord, I know how I feel, but you know what? I'm going to praise you anyway. I know what's going on in my mind, but you know what? I'm going to lift my hands and I'm going to sing. I'm not just going to sing. I'm going to get bouncy. I'm going to get excited. I am going to turn my heart on. Ooh. It's like romancing your wife. When you do that in the presence of the Lord, it's like romancing your wife. When you go and show special attention to your wife, you get her attention. When you start to praise God out of a presence, out of a situation where you know it's been tough, man, it's like romancing God. His eyes turn around and say, I want to be your deliverer. There's much power. Choose to worship God in those moments. Oh. Verse 7, we're talking about step number 4. We wait on the Lord by prayer. Now we're going to begin to pray. Hear my cry, show me mercy, and send me help I need. Verse in the New King James, it says, O Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. We're seeking wisdom now. I heard your voice in my heart say, come seek my face. My inner being responded, Yahweh, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. 
When you said in the New King James, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. And I meditated on this for a long time because I didn't, I knew the Lord wanted to share with me something deeper than what that looks like. And He took me and He reminded me of Jacob who married Leah when he thought it was Rachel. And we all look at that scripture and go, how do you make that mistake? How do you marry the beautiful woman and wake up the next morning and realize you married the sister that wasn't so beautiful? Because she was veiled. She was veiled. And God says, yeah, I don't want, to see, I don't want you to see me through the veil. I want you to come behind the veil. I want you to seek my face. I'm asking you to see me personally. Okay, so I'm most probably not going to be able to say this without getting emotional, but you all know my wife. You've seen her, her bold features. I have a beautiful wife. You know her eyes, you know her hair, but you know what? I know the little wrinkles on the side of her eyes because she smiles so much. I see the wrinkles that are evidence of my sons being born and carried by her. I know her. When God says, come seek my face, he doesn't want you just to know the bold scriptures that speak about who he is. He wants you to find the small scriptures that speak to you about your personal relationship with the Father. I've got one called Micah chapter 6. I was looking at the Lord and I'm, I was very blue and I wanted to do all the rules and I wasn't getting them right. And he said to me, Danny, I'm going to speak to you quietly. Listen to me. I asked three things of men. To love mercy, do justly, and walk humbly with the Lord. Just focus on that. Those script, that line has spoken to me down the years and kept me when I've been trying to juggle balls to try and be righteous. Kept me out of confusion and kept my relationship tight. This scripture where he says, if you wait on me, I will strengthen you. Those are the wrinkle scriptures that God speaks into your life personally. They're not the bold scriptures that you hear declared and talk about God's deliverance because he does that for everyone. But when he says, I want you to seek my face, he's talking about the personal relationship he wants with you, that you get up close with him and he says, for you, I want you to know this because I have this call for you. And when you're doing that, you will find the strength. You see, when you know the Lord personally in that way, there's a gentleness that floods into your life. There's a peace that comes upon you. And all those worries and those wounds immediately get stitched up and are healed. Because you know that you have met with your father. And he has said to you, you're all right. You're good. You're going where I want you to go. You've been in my face. Know me personally. Seek me personally. Step number five, believe the reward. By the time you get there, I want us to be in a place where we would say, verse 13, 
and I'm only doing it from the New King James because we've run out of time, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David finishes by saying, I would have lost heart, but I didn't lose heart. I've now been strengthened. Why? Because I've believed. How did he believe? He got through the whole point of seeking God, moving through, praying, and now he was delivered. And he knows he's going to see the hand of the Lord when? In the land of the living, it's going to happen now. Why? Because Isaiah, take us back to Isaiah in chapter 64 and verse 4. He says, For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by ear, nor have the eye seen any God besides you, who acts for those who wait for him. Who acts for those who wait for him. David and Isaiah are secure. That if they go through waiting on the Lord, not sitting passively and doing nothing, and waiting for somebody else to come up and say, oh, I'm so sorry that you had to go through this. Let me pray with you. No. That's lovely. And I think we should all do that. But the best, the number one thing to do is go wait on the Lord. Take these steps. Step into His presence. Know who He is. Confess boldly who your God is. Run into his presence. Anywhere where you know you've seen him before, seek it out. Serve. Serve in his presence. Turn the heart around. Because often when we have a hard heart, we turn around and say, when, when they've done that, then I will do. The Father doesn't do that. He reaches out first. And when in that presence we seek him, we serve. And then we ask him for that personal revealing. And your father will do it. And as the father does that, Jesus hears the father say to him, My son, I have set this before you. You need to do this. That's my will. And that's enough for Jesus. The Bible says the angels come and they strengthen him. And he's able to go through anything and walk in the victory that God called him to. Those who wait upon the Lord, you shall renew your strength. You shall mount up on wings like eagles. You won't fly. You're going to run, but you won't get weary. You're going to be able to do things you never thought you can do. You're going to walk and not faint. You're going to walk in the supernatural that God has for your life. And then we can run the race that God called us to run. With endurance. With an attitude of, I am the victor. Amen. Praise God. I trust that you got something today. The blue people, you got your five points. You know where you're going to go. The yellow people, you touched with the Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, put into practice. Let's pray. Father, I thank and praise you.
tonight for your word. You call us, you invite us to wait upon you, Father. And so tonight, Lord God, I pray that every single person under the sound of my voice, whether we are at home or in our campuses, will have that touch from you. Right now, Father, as we've waited upon you with the word tonight, I thank you. We will see your face. You will reveal to us the person of yourself in our lives. I thank you, Lord God, for a fresh week this week. Lord, as we go into this week, I thank you, Lord God, that every member of the Bay Christian Family Church, every person that has heard this word, will walk out into their workplace, into their homes, Lord God, with a new revelation, a strength, and an endurance, and an excitement, and a vigor for God that will proclaim the goodness of God. That everyone around us will know that we are blessed, empowered to succeed by our God. I thank you, Father, for that. In Jesus' name. Let's all say this. Father, I commit to seek you. I will wait, Father. I will put aside everything else so that I may wait on you. And I know, Lord, Because I do this, I will mount up on wings like an eagle. I will do the supernatural. I will do the unexpected. I will run my race for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.